space, final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this week we're talking about episode three of Discovery's fourth season. This one's called Choose to Live. And not surprisingly, we get the Coat Malat back in this one. Though, weirdly, I didn't make that connection until I actually watched the episode. Like, I saw what the title yeah. was, but I didn't think, oh, that's the that's the motto of the Coat Malat. But anyway. Yeah, they're definitely referencing quite a lot of the own canon out there here with yeah. Picard. Yeah, well, what's his name? Kurtzman said that he thinks a big crossover's inevitable at some point now. They've not they've not put a date on it or anything like that, but they've said that it's it's probably gonna happen at some point. So it, it makes sense, doesn't it, when you've got it's all the same franchise. I know two of the shows are animated, but we've got a third live action starting mm-hmm. at some point next year. It, it's silly not to yeah and like we we know very well how many time travel episodes Star Trek has done exactly yeah <laughs> but you'd need what would you need to do you'd need like a three way time travel wouldn't you you'd need to get Pike and then you'd I, need to I get Picard I still want to see Lower Decks being done like oh yeah um, to get I reckon they could get the Lower Decks actors to do into the crossover somehow. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see that. And you never know, we might do. But anyway, let's look at this episode. So, we start off with a brand new funky ship, and it's not just Discovery doing the dilithium deliveries. We find out other ships are doing it as well. Yeah, like, I wonder if it's got a spore drive. Because they were trying to roll out spore drives, weren't they, to everyone? Maybe so, or maybe it's just like it can only do local... Yeah, you do local, I'll do local runs, you do distance. Yeah, it's kind of like your Deliveroo drivers on the little push bikes, like, you know, you can only do so far, but... I like the look of this ship, like, it reminded me a little bit of the Oberth class... Like, just in yeah. terms of, like, it's got a big body bit below the thing and then it's got the nacelles kind of up at the... But obviously, like, it kind of looked like the Abirth class but put through the Discovery, future Discovery mixer. Yeah. To give us, like, a, like, a version. Yeah, like, in a way, I know that we have a classic design of how Star Trek ships look. But wouldn't it have been nice if they'd done something different instead of a saucer hole and two and the cells for the ships a thousand years in the yeah, future? Yeah, I mean some of them are though. If you look like that USS yeah. Nog, that's like almost like a pyramidy type yeah, thing. True. And but it's one of them where you can't win, isn't it? Like if you did do it, people would go, "Oh!" If, you, if they did do it, I'd go, "Oh, they don't look like Federation." Yeah, stars. what's going on there? I want my saucer. I want my nacelles. <laughs> You know, but the commander on this ship's a bit handy. Like, straight away, he's like, right, we've got borders. Here we are. And he doesn't half get stuck in straight away on these Coatmalatis. Like, boom. Now, in a way, this didn't surprise me because the Federation's been 
in a war situation for 70 or 80 years. Mm, true, yeah. So, so I think like a lot of the officers will be more combat trained than what we saw in Next Generation. Yeah, maybe that's it. But yeah, I was just quite surprised with how quick he was to get stuck in and he, he yeah. wasn't half going for it. But yeah, so the Kuat Malat are back then. And this is the obviously this is gonna be like the main the main thrust of the episode. And we get a fair bit more about Nevar as well. Like we we find out we know they're working with the Federation and we know they're not members yet, but this president seems to be making it very clear that they're expecting the one, Yeah, well I think it probably goes back to like the original Federation, I know Navarre is the Vulcans and Romulans, but the planet is still Vulcan. Yeah. And it's a founding member of the Federation. Yeah, yeah. It's a big deal them not being in it. And it'd be a big deal getting them back in it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, this does seem to be the season of let's bring the, the Federation back together. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's good to know that they're, they're getting there with Nivar now. And obviously this leads to Michael's mum makes a return and she's going to be, they're going to try and track down this rogue Kuat Malat. And the president of the Federation makes it a joint mission. Now, so it, I don't know if you noticed here, but they have it, because this goes back to last episode when Book just walked into the middle of the meeting. Yeah, yeah. This meeting, it, it's got a barrier. It's got a security shield. Ah, I didn't notice that. So, so why didn't they have that last week? Or maybe someone said, like, somebody's had a word and said, look, we had someone just wandering in last week. We need to start <laughs> taking this a bit more serious now. So, yeah, but, so, you know, we could say it's a, a continuity error that they didn't have one last week, or we could say yeah. it's good continuity that they've they've identified a problem and they've acted and on they it, it really quickly, <laughs> got it sorted. Yeah, I just I noticed it that because the barrier they were able to walk back out of it. It didn't the back it didn't actually drop the shield. They, they could pass through it. So I'm assuming it recognises who's permitted. Yeah, either that or maybe it's one of them like you can walk out of it, but you can't walk yeah. back in. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's like them. You can get them cat flaps, can't you? Where the the locked, but your cat's got a little microchip in its collar, yeah. so it lets it itself out. Maybe maybe it's a bit like that. I don't know. Um, the president though says that Michael's got her full confidence with this, which I think's that's really good because they had that sort of confrontation in the first episode, and the president wasn't saying that she thinks Michael's a crap captain. She was just like, "You're not right for this mission. You're not right for the mission of taking over Voyager." Yeah, but you're still a good captain, and it's good to see that reinforced here yeah and also that she's like really clear with her like she's like okay it is a joint thing but you're in charge of it it's still a federation i mean how much michael is in charge might deteriorate a bit as the episode goes <laughs> on but at least the intention is that Besides michael's gonna be and i really like some of the stuff they've got that the president's talking about like she's basically saying this anomaly, this situation, we can leverage this for political gain effectively. We can we can leverage the fact that we're all going to have to work together to improve our chances of getting people to join the Federation. 
And I wondered if this is a bit of a commentary on the way certain politicians over the last year or so have used the COVID situation as a way to sort of reinforce where they stand and used it as a means to shore up their votes. I mean, you know, not not to name names particularly, but we have a, a prime minister in this country who, whenever his less than adequate behaviour is called out, the first thing he ever says is, well, the vaccine rollout's going really well. And yeah, and you have um, you have a lot of Amer- you have American senators who are running and governors who are running red states, which are the Republican states. Mm-hmm. And because they've got like a load of nutters in the Republican Party <laughs> that don't believe in vaccines and all that, they're for political reasons, not enforcing vaccine mandates. Yeah. And, and not pushing people to wear masks. Yeah. And, and the, I, I just wonder if this is a little bit of a commentary on that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying... Yeah, that you use this... You can use use disasters for a political gain. Yeah, and hopefully the president's got better um, better outcomes in mind than the scenarios we've just described. But <laughs> but the the idea of using it as a bigger thing, I just wonder if it's a little bit of their commentary on it. <coughs> and we carry on a little bit then with the the story of Tilly that we we sort of started up last week and I think we we were on to something last week. So we were talking about, well, is it gonna be that maybe she thinks she's not cut out for it and is she gonna be thinking about a different career path or different life choices? And I think this episode that comes across much stronger that that might be where uh, where her mind's going at the minute. Yeah, she's she's in a comfort zone, but she's not happy in a comfort zone. Yeah, and I mean they get like they mine it for a bit of comedic effect, don't they? Like she, we find out she doesn't like cheese, which is a bit of a shocker. I mean, yeah, you know, who don't like cheese? Exactly, who don't like cheese? What 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 do you do for pizza? If what you was don't it? Like I was watching. Um, I watched MasterChef for that, and they were do, and, like they had the challenge to do a dish out of cheese, and one of them's there. Yeah, I'm cheese intolerant. I'm lactose intolerant, oh, no. but I still like cheese. <laughs> I, I thought I suffer. Yeah, that's. I, did, I know a few people who are lactose intolerant, but they're like, "Yep, I'm gonna have a pizza, and I'm just gonna take the the hit." Yeah, I'll take the hit. But yeah, so Tilly, there we go. Doesn't like cheese. She tries the mac and cheese. She don't like the mac and cheese. It looked a good mac and cheese, though, did that? It did look actually. a good mac and cheese. Yeah, or I'd be happy with that if I ordered that at a restaurant. But then it should be from a replicator. Like, there's no excuse. Yeah, it for should replicator. have the best mac and cheese program, Dave. Yeah, exactly. You know, it shouldn't be palming you up. Maybe the people on the lower decks get they get like a, a packet mashing. Mac and cheese. Well, I like whereas... to think that by now that they've managed to have all the replicators the same. Well, we know that they've not on... Oh, yeah, this is 900 years later, so maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, everybody can have a full pizza <laughs> now. Like we know on um, when Mars was... When the workers on Mars, that they had shitty replicators yeah. that only had tin trays. That's true. And we, know, and we know that Lower Decks doesn't have as good a menu programmed as the officers. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, maybe we, we've moved on to that and everyone can have good mac and cheese. Yeah. Even though Tilly doesn't like it, so... Um, and she's going to water Saru's plants as well. That's the next thing that 
she's going to do to get her out of her comfort zone. I mean, obviously, Saru's going to throw a bit of a curveball at her and send her on something else that's out of her comfort zone before she gets to the plan, but they're setting it up. Stamets' theory of the week, then, and I wonder if this is going to be a, a running thing. So, binary, black hole is out. And yeah, so he thinks it's a dark matter anomaly, a DMA. Well, he's calling it the dark matter anomaly, but he thinks it's a primordial wormhole. Yeah. So that that's the theory this week. So we'll keep track of these. We'll see what Stamets' theory next week is. But this week, he thinks it's a wormhole. Spoilers, it's not. It's but not. so he's he's because like like this is like the second story arc, and it there's actually. An A, B, and a C story mm. arc here. And then there's the little bits with Tilly as well. Yeah, we've got loads going on in this episode. And I think it does a good job of balancing it all as well. Um, yeah, so, it, like the episode doesn't feel rushed at all. No, it doesn't. I mean, Which, it, when you have a lot of different storylines going on, and we've mentioned this before, you get things that feel they've got from there to there too fast. Yeah, but this one, I think it, I think it nudges everything along the right amount yeah. without trying to do too much, and it, it manages to get a, almost a standalone story in there as well. You know, the Michael's story is pretty much standalone, whereas everything else is is ongoing, and Stamets then's gonna go to Nivar, and Buck's gonna go with him because these two seem to be a team at the minute. And it's nice that Stamets has got a bit of concern for him. Like, he's like, well, I'm going to have to talk in quite graphic detail about what happened to Quajon, so do you really want to yeah. be there for that? So it's nice Which that he's looking you, out to him. Like, that that's part of Stamets' learning curve, because season one Stamets would have let him come along and then just started going on about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he that, that it might be upsetting to him. Yeah, it absolutely. Yep, yeah, you're right. Um, then, yeah, the other story then is we're we're getting to the point now where we're actually putting Grey into the body, and yeah, into the sim- synthetic. And I'm quite surprised with how quick we got to this point. Like, I know there's obviously going to be a lot more happens with it. This isn't the end of the story arc, but I thought. When they set it up last season, it was going to take a bit longer to find a way of putting him into a body, but it's... No, we've actually yeah, tracked well, on with I think it. Su- I think as soon as we saw the synthetic last week... Yeah. There was no need to drag it out any longer. And I, I really like that when the Guardian's there, he says, oh, we're doing a, an unusual Jantara. And the Jantara was what Jadzia did in that episode yeah. where they split all the personalities <laughs> off. And this makes a load of sense because basically they're taking Grey's memories out of Adira and putting it, putting them yeah. into a new body, which is what you do in a Jantara. So I just really yeah, like and, the fact uh, that... And, like, <laughs> it's that thing that they don't just need Grey's permission, they needed, uh, is it Tal? Tal's, yeah, and Adira's. Yeah, they need yeah. Tal's permission as well to do it. Yeah, that was good. And I, I like the fact that somebody's obviously done the homework and instead of... They could have just made up a new name for this and gone, oh, we're doing the whatever. But somebody's done the homework and gone, we've actually already got a Trill thing that's exactly yeah. what we want to do. So we're going to reference that. We're going to go with it, yeah. And it makes perfect sense. 
and then Tilly's gonna go on this mission then. So this is this Saru has a habit of promoting Tilly above a station, really, don't he? I mean, he made her the first officer. Yeah, right. Which the wasn't first 100%. officer didn't make any sense. That wasn't at the time. Yeah, it wasn't a hundred percent successful. This one makes a lot more sense because he's. He explains his reasoning. He's like, she needs to do things that are outside of her comfort zone. She'll be good on the diplomatic side of it. And we've already got enough combat people. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so it does make sense to put Tilly on it this time. And then she's chatting with the person who I'm just going to call the Coat Millat red shirt because they don't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> but she likes the idea of absolute candor, which I quite like the idea of Tilly becoming not necessarily a Coat Millat, but... <clears throat> maybe... Or you think that she might leave completely? Maybe. Um, I, I quite like the idea of her just being really honest about things. Like, if we just have a little... I think she is anyway. I think she is, but I think it, you could get some real comedy if she took it to the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> then she'd be like season one Stamets, I suppose. <coughs> Maybe. Maybe. But no. she's, she's got that empathy about her, hasn't she? So yes. she wouldn't say things hurtful, I don't think. No, probably not. But I quite... Yeah, I don't know where they're going with this, but maybe. Um... Then, yeah, the, there's a nice sort of conversation with Gabriel and with Michael where she's saying, well, you had faith that Spock didn't do it and I've got to have faith in this Javini. I mean, Javini did do it. We saw Javini do it right yeah. at the start of the episode, but um, it's, it's a, it isn't a case of her saying, well, she didn't murder anyone. It's There must be a reason for it. Yeah, there has to be a reason why she's done this. Yeah. Which the kind of is when we get there, but it's still pretty naughty. It's naughty, but the whole thing makes sense. Yeah, the, her, her motivations from her perspective definitely do make sense. And, and she didn't want to kill anybody. It was the fact, like, she'd beaten the guy and then he picked a sword up and came at her. That's, and that's true. she killed him. And she did give him the warning. She said choose to live, which we find out is part of a longer scene now, but okay. Um, I like when they they give the swords out. Tilly's well happy that she's getting a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Which it would be like, pretty I good. can't imagine Tilly being very good with a sword. She does kind of okay, I think, when there's a bit of a fight scene and she does okay at first, then she gets knocked over, but she gets yeah, stuck in. Like, I think this is one of those things in these TV fights, like... I don't think Tilly would be very good with a sword, and I can't see where she's got the sword fighting experience from. Well, no, and that's... she's going up against experienced sword fighters. Well, th that's the thing, isn't it? It's like Starfleet. Yeah, they would be trained with phasers, but what you wouldn't train them with swords. You don't. Yeah, and we've also spoken about like she was on Discovery as an ensign, and she was there as a scientist. Yeah, she was there for a site. Her science abilities, not through her abilities as being a Starfleet officer. Well, in this case, then, we've got to give it to Tilly that she manages not to get killed. Yeah. Given that she's <laughs> not got any experience. I mean, 
Michael, we don't know specifically got sword experience, but we know she's trained in like Vulcan martial arts and stuff like yeah. that. And so they fight with all yeah. sorts of weapons. So yeah, she she does all right. But of course, the Coat Malat red shirt gets killed, so we're down to just the characters that we know now, which is often. Well, it makes it easier, doesn't it? It does make it easier. It, it's very much a throwback to traditional Trek, in it where it is, yeah. We'll have a we'll have a massive landing party, but we're only going to concentrate on our main characters. So, red shirt, red shirt, red shirt. Yeah, and then <laughs> Captain Kirk, Scotty, and Sulu, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we do. We get rid of the Coat Malat, and we're down to just as three main characters that we know. So that's fine. And then we get to the moon. And it's a really cool, the the set. I presume it's augmented with CGI, the set, but it looks really epic. Yeah, it did look really good. It's the, I, I think at times in the past, Discovery's tried too hard with the effects and have not looked, pro, not looked great because mm. of it, some of them. Yeah. Or there's been too much going on. But this is it's very simple. It's a ship landing on a moon. But it's a brilliant bit of CGI. It looks yeah. right. And the like the moon itself and that, that big room with all the cocoons and everything. It reminds me a little bit of Alien or Prometheus, you know, where they yeah. they'd go in and they'd see it all. But yeah, I thought that was really, really impressive. And um the the workout there's a civilization there and Gabriel thinks that it's, you know, she's giving it all well. It must have been for a lost cause. Michael's not convinced of it. And then we get almost a Star Wars line where it's like, this is no moon. This is a ship. <laughs> and then they go, right, where's the dilithium? And, oh, it's above us. And they're like, right, everybody look around for a way to get up there. And Michael finds the, what she calls the turbo lift. Why don't you use your personal transporters? Yeah, the beaming wherever the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I said this, I think, back in season three. I said that this is the only sort of problem I anticipated with introducing the personal transporters. Is that when you get situations like this, it you're always going to have the question, well, why didn't you just use your transporter? Yeah, why didn't you just beam up? It's and it's one of them. You get it in all. You know, you don't just get it in science fiction. Like a lot of modern drama, they have to go out of the way to explain why characters can't just make a phone call to get them out of a situation. Now that yeah, we've got mobile phones. Like now, somebody, everyone lives on the mobile phone. Yeah, like somebody gets lost. Well, just bring up your Google Maps app and turn on your yeah. GPS, and you know exactly where you are. So. We've always got to jump through these hoops and going, oh, there's no signal in this area. Or, but we don't even do that with the the personal transports here. And to the extent that, because like me, me sort of nitpicking brain kicked in and I tried to think of like an excuse for it. And I'm going, oh, well, maybe, maybe there's interference and they can't use them here and I can headcanon that and it'll be all right. But then they use them later on. So yeah. So, yeah, they don't get away with it. It's just, 
My new head cannon is, well, they couldn't see up there, so there might have been big spikes or something. They didn't know what they were going into. Maybe. But then you probably shouldn't get on the turbo lift that you don't know what it's going to do, I and mean, then that could have just whacked up in at ceiling. Well, for I, think, I think you assume if you're getting on the turbo lift that it's going to a floor, and you've got to stop. You do assume that, but it could be like, you know... A James Bond one, like they always got in lifts and got dropped into shark ta shark tanks and all sorts <laughs> of stuff in some of the Bond films. So you gotta be careful. Um, but yeah, so I wasn't sure about the personal transporters things. Stamets then on Vulcan. I like the like the the meeting rooms that you know. I mean, we have meeting rooms at work and they're nice, they're clean. They've got a whiteboard. They've got PCs. But that's about it. You know, some of them have got a view. But the Vulcans have got it worked out. Like, right, we'll have these floating things up in the sky and that's where we'll have us meeting. But then the Vulcans just decide to meditate anyway, which I like. I do like Stamets' reaction to it. And I, I like the way the Vulcans go straight into it. Like, as soon as he presents the problem, they go, right, and go into a meditation and... That's it. It's like, and, he's sat, and he keeps trying to go, no, we understand the problem. <laughs> yeah, it's like, right, I've got all the information I need. I'm going to think about <coughs> it. We don't need to be sat around talking about it. Um, and obviously, you know, we'll get to it later in the episode, but yeah, we're, we're not going to get very far with this storyline, though we do do some interesting stuff we book. Well, I think that's, that's more the reason for this storyline, yeah, is. isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's all about, like, you've got to be free from your guilt and everything and you can't have known it was going to happen. And Buck's still got this thing that he's like, well, you know, I should have known there was something up with the birds. And so, yeah, I think we do get some closure to that this week. Um, there's a cool scene where uh, Tilly disables the dilithium and then Michael says, right, now you can stay here as bait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, I suppose that would put you out of your comfort zone, so... Yeah, well, she even says I'm out of my comfort zone as bait. Yes, yeah, she does. And then she right. starts walking on the edge and going, I'm really out of my comfort zone now. <laughs> <laughs> and then back on Discovery then, where have they been hiding this really cool bar? Or was this part of the upgrade? Because if it was, we'll have some of that. Like, we've got... Um... I assume it's part of the upgrades that they've update, updated all the metal and all that. Yeah, because... like, Discovery's time will have had more like TOS foot meals, won't Yeah, it was where, really basic, wasn't it, the mess hall? Very basic. And they've obviously got replicators, so you have to assume, like, they've had upgrades. And we did see them having the party on Discovery. That's true, actually, yeah. Yeah, we did that time, but... Yeah, I like this bar. It's got all the big log fires and... Yeah. Mind you, you don't know how much of it's holograms as well now. No, that's true. They're probably not not real fires because that probably won't be safe. But I hope they give off heat, though. Like, yeah. I, I won't just want a holographic fire that in, don't feel like a fire. That'd be weird. But Adira's playing darts then and... We've had darts in Star Trek before, you know, obviously O'Brien and Bashir. And yep. this is one of them ones like we've talked about before, like with the, the sunglasses in Picard and everybody said, oh, they're not futuristic enough. But 
This is what happens when you try and over-design something. A dartboard, I don't think is going to change in the next 900 years. Like, no, um, th this is over-designed. You don't need a dartboard with all these shiny I'm, lights on it I'm and trying, holograms. I'm and, trying to think what it was, and they did this with a dartboard, and when you threw it, it had lights flashing and all sorts. I think of that was DS9. DS9, it, it looked more or less like a traditional dartboard, but I think No, it, this was one... No, it's, it, I don't even think it's in Star Trek. I can't remember what right. it's in. But it literally had lights all over and flashing every time you... <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I just don't think you need it. I think a dartboard has been designed to perfection as it is. Yeah, I mean, it does its job. It does what it's meant to exactly. do. Exactly. I mean, maybe, like... If you could go up to it and it, you know, you say, "I want to play darts," but you could also say, "Like, I want to do bullies, bullies prize board," and it turns it into like bullseye, and yeah, you get like in one. And for anyone, <coughs> anyone not from the UK, and that you, and that you don't have to do the add it up as yeah, all that's that, good. It just automatically adds as you go along. But darts players do that anyway, though, don't they? They're amazing. I know they wait, do. wait, maths, it's incredible, but. But yeah, anyone who's not familiar with Bullseye, it was a, a British TV game show where they played darts to win really crap prizes. Really strange prizes. You'd, yeah. get, um, you'd get two blokes would go on who were mates from down pub. Yeah. And they'd win a fitted kitchen. Yeah, and it's like... yeah, how <laughs> It's you like, get... how are you splitting that between two houses? Yeah, like you never got... They never said you get two of them. And it were like, yeah. if, if they won at the end, the special prize were like a speedboat. So it's like, how are you going to share this? Yeah, speed? It, it was a speedboat, a car, a fitted kitchen and a caravan. Yeah, they were always... Or sometimes <laughs> they, they conned you and they just said, oh, it's a weekend in Torquay or whatever, but... No, they were they were <coughs> normally on the bullies prize board, things like uh, that. Maybe, maybe. Um, so, yes, if you're not familiar with Bullseye... Look it up. There's loads on YouTube. Um, you probably only need to watch one to get an idea. You know, you watch watch the early ones. Yeah, the early ones that were yeah yeah. Also, uh, a water trigger warning for anyone. This was broadcast when British TV was not very politically correct. So, Jim Jim Bowen. I think Jim Bowen had probably been cancelled if he was, well, on TV now. Well, he, it wouldn't be allowed on TV now. No, no, indeed. So, yeah, there's some, there's some interesting <laughs> nuggets if you look up Bullseye. <laughs> but the point is, if you could make your normal dartboard into a Bullseye dartboard, that would be pretty cool. Other than that, you can just leave it as a normal one. I don't yeah. see the problem. And while they're in this bar, then... Saru and Culber have a bit of a chat. Um, we, we find out officially that Culber is the Doctor and the Counselor, which we, we've seen him be that, but it's nice to get an official acknowledgement that, that he is doing dual roles now. And Saru, since he's come back on the ship, he seems to have just got these nice little quiet moments with just about all the characters, and it, it really does feel like He's been the missing piece on the ship, like that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know how they managed without him because he's just come on and he's putting everybody at ease and he's 
He's just putting out fires all over the place. I love how they're using Saru this season so far. Back on the alien ship slash moon then. So this is where they use the transporters and they use it to beam in and get the jump on Javini. It's like, it's like Javini attacks, takes uh, the bait and goes after Tilly. Yeah. And I like Tilly here and she goes, and immediately she throws the sword down and goes, I choose to live, I choose to live, yeah. I choose to live. <laughs> That's what I'd do if I saw the Kuat Malak yeah, coming. Yeah, making like, it very clear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we do get the backstory then. So, it, basically, there's... I'll see if I've got all this right, but I think I have. So, this was an alien species that escaped the destruction of their own planet on this ship that looks like a is moon. That, it is a moon. <clears throat> yeah. It is actually a moon that they've turned into a ship. It turned into a ship, yeah. So they escape from the planet, they're going to, like, a stasis. They've got coordinates set for this world that they're heading to. But well, the world that they're actually in orbit. They, they are actually there, yeah. Um, but they, something's gone wrong, so they've not woken up. And Javini wanted to steal the dilithium just in case the anomaly came so that they could power the ship to get away from, to get them, away. Yeah. Away from it if they needed to. So and and grave robbers have been attacking them, and that's why she's looking at them as the lost cause, yeah, or a hopeless cause, because they're in stasis. And grave robbers are literally going in and killing them to dig the bodies because they've um, got lots of latinum that's, in the, that's in the bodies. Really, yeah, that's a really nice touch that they they have natural latinum in the bodies. Yeah. Which, yeah, that people would. It's probably Ferengi grave robbers. Yeah. But unless... Well, that's, that's, a, that's a lost cause, which she's defending thousands of them. Mm. And she, and like, she goes, and they go, until he goes, but the Federation's giving away dilithium, and she goes, yeah, but they won't give it to individuals. Yeah, and the... the and, and I can't say what I need it for. Yeah, they, they've worked out. The, whether you know whether you agree with how extreme she goes with it or not, the logic well, this is, does hold. This is to do with the religion, though, isn't it? Why yeah. she's gone that extreme, and that's how they are. Yeah, that's it. Once they've pledged themselves, then they they go for it. Yeah, and yeah, it it does hold. It is solid and motivation and everything as to why she does it. And I like Tilly here. Like she's meant to be fixing it. But she obviously knows that she needs to buy Michael time and everything, so she's clearly working more slowly than she needs to 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 get the dilithium working again because Michael Michael thinks she can fix the cryo chambers so that they can actually get well, to the planet. Well, yeah, like Michael works out that. Well, if they've arrived at the destination, why haven't they woke up? Something has gone wrong. Yeah. And it's it's really good because obviously Tilly's not given an order to drag this out a bit so I can get on with it, but <coughs> she knows to do it. So that's it's yeah. good teamwork. And back on Nivar, I keep wanting to call Nivar Vulcan. That's going to take a long time to to get used to not doing that. Uh, back on Nivar, then I wonder about this president's motivation here because. Basically, they say it's not a wormhole because we can't find any tachyons. And then the president says, oh, but 
if we have a look at Buck's memory, we'll better check, see if there's this discoloration. And I think she's doing this entirely for Buck's benefit. Like I do. I, I don't um, think she needs to do it. No, it, but it's like, this goes back to one of the things that has been long established with Vulcans. Vulcans aren't emotionless, no. which is something people assume a lot of the time. It's just to suppress the emotions, but she can understand why. Because they're, they're actually a very emotional race, mm. so she can really understand what it's like for an empath and what he's been through. Yeah, that's it as well, isn't it? She there's can that relate link. to it. Yeah, there's that link with him being an empath as well. I often forget Buck's an empath, but... Um, yeah, so basically, we're going to do a mind meld. The cover story is that we're doing it to look for this tin but actually you get a blue tinge with tachyon radiation or whatever the radiation they call from tachyons yeah but really it's to let Buck sort of work through his trauma and this I've got mixed feelings on because I think it emotionally lands like I'm absolutely happy with it but maybe it's my not understanding mind melds fully but if he's reliving his memory he'll only remember what he could see at the time. So if he yeah. didn't see his nephew looking back at him, he won't be able to see it by reliving the memory. Yeah, he will, because what like what she says is that everything going round you, you don't take every single ah, bit okay. in. Right. But your action, but your memory holds it all. Right, I get it. Yeah. It's all in your memory. But it's like Everything you're seeing at once, you're not. You, there's so much that you're seeing at once. You can't. Yeah, you're only focusing everything. on a certain part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was probably what it was. I didn't realise that she'd touched on that. Yeah. I must have missed that. So no, I'm happy with that then. Then so yeah, that's good. And then it does make sense that right. We can we can go in. And it's like I could I can look across my room and then there's X, Y, and Z there. Yeah. But I can't take in everything. <clears throat> but one picture, if you studied it for ages, you could go, oh, there's that, and there's that, and yeah. there's... Right. So, yeah, it's sort of accessing a bit of his unconscious memory that yeah. he's, he's picked up yeah. on but not really articulated. Yeah. Then one thing about this, the pacing of this episode is I think maybe they wrap up the main story a bit early because... They fix the ship, it's all good, the aliens go to the planet, and it's a lo another lovely effect with Tilly and Michael watching them and everything. But then there's a fair chunk of the episode that comes after that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, it just feels a little bit like the main story's finished, but we've got a lot of lot of epilogues, like The Return of the King, where we keep getting the endings, and it's, <laughs> it's not as long as that. I mean, they this whole episode isn't as long as the epilogues in the Return of the no. King, but <laughs> so to unpick them a little bit, then that there's this thing we get it sort of explicitly spelled out with Tilly now, where she says you talked about the path that you meant to be on, and Gabrielle sort of talks to her about it and says, well, the thing is, you know, you, all your paths end, but you start another path and you do something else, and it can be the same path or it can be a different path, and. It, this is what makes me think maybe Tilly is going to go somewhere else because yeah. 
you know, maybe she's thinking, well, my, my Starfleet path hasn't led me where I thought it would, so... Yeah, and I'm not doing what I want to do. Yeah, so maybe I'd, I'm, I'm interested in seeing where it all goes. And there's a nice moment between Michael and Gabriel. The like, thing is, I just want to go back to that a minute. Yeah, yeah. Like, if Tilly does leave to do something else, I don't want a repeat of what we've got with Saru. Saru left to do something else and he's come back. Yeah. And it works as that. But I don't want where we're going to have characters, oh, I want to leave, but then they're going to come back and they're still going to be there because that's... Yeah, I know we, what you, you mean. Can get, you can do it once with Saru. But if you do it again... Yeah, it's going to get gonna a bit... Be, well, what's the point? And why, the... why why, write them leaving for a new journey if they're going to be there all the time? Yeah. Saru's makes sense. And this was one of the big problems with Michael's arc last season, is that in the early episodes, they sort of got her to this place where there's that episode that finishes where she gets a bollocking from Admiral Silver Daddy Bear and... Yeah. She gets demoted, and it finishes with her taking the comm badge off as though she's going to leave Starfleet. And then, and we had a big chat about, oh, I wonder what this is going to mean, and, you know, is she yeah. going to leave? And it, so it almost feels like they've they've picked up on a little bit of a strand of that story and gone, right, Michael's not the character to do that with because we want her to be the captain. Maybe we can do something similar with Tilly. I don't, I don't know. It seems like... All the dropped plot threads, like the PTSD that Detma yeah, had. And that, oh, why didn't we look into that properly? Yeah. Which and, we, we thought we were going to get last year. Last year. And it, it kind of being teased that Michael might leave Starfleet. It, it feels like they've gone, oh, we dropped these threads. Why don't we do them with Tilly instead? And <laughs> We'll see if they pull it off. Hopefully it'll I'll happen. Say, I if I have no problem if, like, I like Tilly as a character. If they can do the story well, where she wants to leave Starfleet and mm. pursue something else, I have no problem with that. As long as they don't then come up with an excuse why she's in nearly every episode. Yeah, I mean, it'd be... Because yeah, it defeats the whole point. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you could have her as like a, a sort of semi-regular guest character. Yeah. And, you know, it, when the mission leads them to whatever Tilly's doing, you can... You can yeah, but pick not up have on them in all the time. Yeah. You could how they've done it with Saru, Saru works. Yeah. Or do a spin-off of Tilly training to join the Coat Milat. We you know, if that's what we want to do, that we'd be up for that. But yeah, yeah. we'll see. Go 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 the Marvel route and give us a six six episode mini series. Yeah. Yeah, Tilly joins the Warrior Nuns. We'll see. Um and then the sort of payoff of it all, then, is we're getting into this thing of, well, can we trust Nivar to deal with Javini? Well, we've also got the revelation with Book where Book finds his faith in his memories when he sees his nephew. Yeah. And, and it's something that he hadn't noticed at the time because he'd literally turned around as his nephew was walking away. Mm-hmm. And it's something he'd glanced in the corner of his eye, but from his subconscious memories... Is being able to see that light of his nephew so he knows how much he loved him. Yeah. And it's something that he hadn't seen before and he, he found peace from it. Yeah, which, is, do you think this is sort of the end of this little bit with Buck now then? I don't think it's, I don't think you can just get over it, but I think this is getting past his brooding. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we've probably taken that as far as yeah. we're going to go. I don't with think it. they're going to drag it out all season where he's going to be brooding about it. They've given him, very quickly, they've given him something that's lifted his spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And we can always. Which I'm fine with. Yeah, we can always revisit it later on. Like, you could always have a thing where if the anomaly's heading to another planet, you could have book like. You know, I am not gonna let it happen to another planet or something like. Yeah, you can you can bring this back, but but yeah, I'm glad we're not just gonna have him brooding constantly. So that's okay. Um, yeah, the the politics of it then. So Michael's like, well, are they gonna deal with Javini properly? Is she gonna be suitably punished for what she's done? Yeah, like Michael, Michael, Michael goes. I want to. Mention extenuating circumstances before you sentence her. Because Michael says that she's done it for, in her eyes, all the right reasons. But But she still killed somebody. Yeah, but it's taken out of Starfleet's hands and out of Michael's hands. And I think this dynamic's really fascinating. Like, you get Admiral Silver Daddy Bear talking about it's like an orchestra and you do your part and I do my part. and Yeah, you're the... You're the violin that has its little solo. You go yeah. and do your solo. I'm the percussion that's behind everything. Yeah. And, and the president's the conductor telling us all what to do and yeah. knowing everybody's bit in it. Well, that's it. And it all works as a, as a metaphor. Though he does raise the point, like, we've got to trust that she knows the whole melody and... Yeah. I wonder if that's something that's going to come in later on. Like, maybe maybe she doesn't know the whole melody. Maybe she's well, not getting it right. Yeah, like, you can see <coughs> from a political reason why she's let Navarre deal with... Um, yeah. ...deal with her themselves. But you can see why Michael's annoyed about it. Yeah, and I think this is part of Michael's learning curve as well, that she's learning that as a Starfleet captain, your authority stops at a certain point. Well, it's all coming back to, um, like, it's very much Worf of Khan, isn't it? Mm. And I don't mean the story of Worf of Khan. I mean, like, the underlying elements, like, you have, you've had the Kobayashi Maru mm-hmm. when you're in a no-win situation. You've now got the needs of the many outweigh the needs of yeah, the few. Yeah, yeah, very one. true. And, it, and it's all, it's them little lessons of Star Trek that we've all come to. Like, I know that um, Kirk breaks that and he goes, the needs of the one outweighed the needs of the many went for Star Trek 4. And that's perfectly fine because it's one of the great Star Trek movies. Yeah, I'd go with that. But yeah, it's interesting to come at it from a different angle to have a, a young captain who's learning these things. I know... Kirk was young in the original series, but he was very much presented as the total package by that point. You know, he, yeah, yeah, he already knew what he was doing. He was, yeah, he, he was a young captain, but he was an exceptional captain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, so it's interesting to to have a different dynamic here of a captain learning these lessons and becoming a great captain as yeah. they go along. Like, like Michael's right. She goes. He had a fa- he had a partner. They had two children. Yeah. What about them? Yes, but if the van uh, rejoined the federation, it could save millions. Yeah, that's it. It's the Michael can only weigh up 
Her, Michael's her, looking at one piece and, yeah, and, and it's like it. Admiral Daddy Bear has said it's the whole picture that yeah, the president's exactly. looking at and that's I find that really interesting it'll be interesting to see where we go and then Grey wakes up as well so this is the that part of the plot's done and that's really lovely like he gives Culber a hug and everything and it's all looking okay at this point I've still got this nasty feeling that this is leading to heartbreak, like... Oh, definitely. I feel like Grey's going to want to go back to Trill and be a guardian, and Adira's going to want to stay on Discovery, and, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I just don't yeah, see it ending like, happily. I have no problem with that. If, like, they were brought in season three... And, like, if you look at Discovery, they brought in people in Season 2 and they're in for a season. There's people using Season 1 and they were there for a season. Yeah, I think... These guys are in the second season that they've been brought in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Adira's going to stay, but... I, Adira's become part of the crew. And, pointedly, Blue Del Barrio's on the opening credits now, whereas Ian Alexander's only getting a guest star credit. So yeah. I don't know how yeah, much you want to like, read into that, but... And it's another one of these things that he could... That, and it keeps getting mentions. he wants to be a Guardian. Yeah. He wants to be a Guardian, and he have to live on Trill for that. But there's no reason that, even if he leaves the show at some point this season, which is the heart rate that we think is going to come... Mm-hmm. That he can't appear again as a guest star, but no, they have missions to drill and spend. Absolutely not, no. So, but it's interesting. I want to see him explore a little bit more now that, well, you've got two things going on. So you've got Grey's now in a body, but Grey no longer has the symbiont. So Grey's yeah. not exactly the person that he was before. And Adira's still got the symbiont, but. That symbiont no the, longer has Grey in it because they've done the, yeah, the, the symbiont has let the memories of Grey go. So for Adira, it's different as well, and I'd like to see them explore that a little bit more yeah. as well. And another idea is, <clears throat> up until this point, Grey's been entirely Adira's. Like Adira's been Grey's only conduit to the world, to be able to speak to other people, to interact with other people to some extent. And Adira's had Grey all to themselves, and now they're not going to have that because Grey's left the consciousness and yeah, has got and his own body. So, Like, Adira's used to him being there all the time, but is Grey going to want to be with him all the time? That's it. Like, I, He's going to want to be able... Like, through her, he's seen all these people and what's going on. He's going to want to get to know these people himself. Yeah, that's it. So um, I'll be interested to see where they go with it. I hope that we do dive into these things because the Trill is such an interesting race. And yeah. I think there's this is a really unique situation that they've set up. Like so, We've got quite a lot of Trill mythology from DS9. But there's a lot that we didn't get. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they, this is an interesting storyline. I want to see where it goes, but I think it's going right, to go... I'm quite happy if he goes back to Trill as a Guardian. Because it'd be nice to nice to um, maybe get a couple of flashes 
when he's left Discovery, mm. but just how he's doing as well, so we can learn these bits of, of things about how it yeah. works. Yeah, there's definitely stories to be told there, and like we've said a million times, like because we've got Star Trek on a streaming service now, which I know we've had our pros and cons with that recently, particularly the international distribution, but there is absolutely nothing to stop you. If Grey goes off to be a Guardian, there is absolutely nothing to stop you doing a one-hour special that's not part of any other series. It's just a one-off Grey being a Guardian on Trill. And you just do it. It's a TV movie or it's a a one episode, one and done. It's like I said, if, if Tilly goes off to the bar and becomes how do you pronounce it? Quat Mala, I think. Quat Mala. There's no reason you can't do a six episode miniseries that stand alone on that. Yeah. So because, uh, like Marvel is showing that you can do that with what they're doing on TV at the moment. Exactly, and you know where you'd be a fool to think that Alex Kurtzman has not got his eye on what Marvel are doing at the minute yeah. because Marvel is the blueprint for a successful cinematic universe. Just about every other one's gone belly up. And there's no way people are not looking at that and going, okay, that thing works. This is how you do it. This is how you stream it as well. Yeah, let's let's have a look (laughs) at what we can do with that. This is how you have TV shows that go. So, yeah. You don't have to be just tied into... No, exactly. So, lots of interesting stuff hopefully to come up. We'll obviously be back next week to talk about next week's episode. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us, we're at retrekpod at gmail.com. Um, sorry, we're at retrekpod on Twitter. We're retrekpod at gmail.com. If you want to email us, you can join us on the Facebook group. And don't forget, Discovery, 9 o'clock, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays on Pluto TV. If you're not in America, if you're in America... Well, you know, you've got your Paramount Plus, the rest of the world, <laughs> TBD 2022. <coughs> Maybe we'll catch up with you at some point. But um, yeah. thanks. We'll get it next year-ish. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. But thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye.